Well, last week we started a series. And in this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the way that Paul, the Apostle Paul, uses the term outsiders. Uh, Paul was, was an early leader in the church. He took the gospel, what Jesus did on the cross and the death and resurrection. He took that to lots of parts of uh, Asia Minor and to parts of Europe and uh, planted churches. And so he was the, one of the early church leaders and, uh, and he wrote lots of letters. And in the letters, he's generally writing to churches. So he's writing to, to people, as we would say, inside the faith. And so he's addressing mostly Christians. And in that, then he uses the term, this term outsiders. Now, outsiders can be a negative term in our culture right now. Like, oh, they're such an outsider. And we talked last week a little bit about cliques. Cliques make outsiders feel like outsiders and insiders are insiders. And everybody knows the difference. And even though that clique is very selective about which, ins- which outsider can then become an insider. And so it's not using the term in that, in that way. When Paul uses the term, what he's referring to really is just those that are outside the faith. They're just, they're, his way of saying like a Christian and a non-Christian. And so there's those that are in the faith and there are those that are outside of the faith. And so it's not about being in or out the building this morning, but it's about the faith. And, and we talk about just the basics of that Jesus is God and fully God and fully man, that he died on the cross for our sins, and then rose from the grave three days later. And really, that's the, the, the general, the gist of it. And those that, that believe that and live their life according to that, he said those are the ones that are inside the faith. And then there's those that are, we say, outside of the faith. And so in even doing a series like this on Sunday morning, I'm fully aware that there are those of you here this morning that are inside of this building, but you would, you would say that you are outside of the faith. And so even you go, so we're going to spend several weeks on this. You go, so why would, I, why would I listen to that? And I go, well, let me tell you why. Well, first of all, my prayer is that by the end is that you would be in the faith and know that there's nothing keeping you out of the faith, that you're, you are welcomed in. There is, there's, it's, it's, it's already been done for you what Christ has done for you on the cross. It's been done for you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work your way towards God. He has worked his way towards you. So the first thing I want you to know is that there's nothing, there's nothing between you and coming into the faith. I'd love to talk to you about that. But the second thing is even as we talk about this, one of the things I really would like to do is to clarify kind of our culture and the way that Christians interact with non-Christians. And maybe as even outside of the faith, you've watched Christians interact with non-Christians, and there's something inside of you that goes, that doesn't seem right. And if that's what that religion's about, then I don't want to be a part of that. And to which I would actually agree with you. And here's, I think, what you're going to see over the next several weeks. You'll see that Paul agrees with you. That Paul says, this isn't right. So if nothing else, I would hope just that you would see in the scriptures what Paul says, how Christians should interact with non-Christians. And spoiler alert is that Paul, Paul's idea of respect and honor, and, and as we're going to see even this morning, grace and love. And unfortunately, so often in our world today, that's, that's not what you see. But just because that's what you see, that doesn't mean what, that's what the Bible teaches. And we're going to see this. 
The other thing that I, I would hope that you would, if, and if nothing else, you'll, you'll gather out of this, is I'm going to fully equip you with the Bible verses to talk with obnoxious Christians with, okay? So you'll say like, man, this Christian, he's like, he's being, he's, he's being inside, he's, just, he's come like a bull in a china shop, and I'm going to actually equip you with the verses to quote, and appropriately to say, doesn't, doesn't, the Apostle Paul in the back, uh-oh. Doesn't he say in Colossians, oh no, uh, for, doesn't he say this? Oh, what do you think about that? If you're inside the faith, my prayer is for you is that you would take these, these verses with the gravitas that Paul writes them. You know, we're, we're going to look at uh, just this morning two verses. And I think to myself, if all we did as Christians if all we did was, was apply these two verses, we're going to cover out more, but just this morning, these two verses, we would have, we would have a different face in our culture today. And so, so my, my prayer for you is that you would take these with the weight and the gravitas and don't just write them off as like something that somebody else is going to do. You know, I think that one of the reasons why I wanted to, to do this was because there is this growing divide in our culture and with the growing divide about what people believe is that there's, there's, a smaller, there's a smaller grace for accepting and understanding and receiving those who believe differently than you as a way of saying like, well, they believe differently than me because they're wrong and they're, 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 they're idiots for thinking that. How could they think that? And what I see is the growing divide. And I go, this is a problem. Now, here's the thing. We here in this room, we can't change necessarily the trajectory of culture. And so I can't, we can't really deal with that very much. And truth be told, when we think about like, you know, generally speaking, like corporate Christianity or, or Christianity as a whole, we can't even change that trajectory all that much. But I'll tell you what we can do. We can change the, direct, the trajectory of this church, this community, both individually and corporately. And how we as those that are inside the faith and inside this building, how we interact with those that are outside the faith, especially those that are outside the faith and inside this building, matters and can change all sorts of things. And so this is why we're looking at this. And so Paul, I want you to know is that, but Paul writes these letters and a lot of the letters that he writes, he's actually writing to, to these little small churches. They're little small house churches. They're not very big. You know, we think that Paul's writing, they're, they're reading to thousands of people. And really, they're just these little small house churches. And he's writing to Christians who are living in the middle of populations that are, not, that are largely not Christian. And so really, often when he's writing these letters, he's writing these letters to, to a small population of Christians that happen to find themselves in a much larger population that is not Christian. And so it's why somebody, when, when sometimes when we get a little freaked out about our culture and our culture is becoming less and less Christian, they go, oh no, oh no. I go, yeah, actually, this was, Paul's, this was Paul's journey. Paul wrote to the minorities. Paul wrote to the small, small churches that found themselves in the middle of these larger, non-Christian, as it says, pagan-loving cultures. And he still says the exact same things. And so, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to, to Colossians. And we're just going to look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Colossians is going to come at the end of like the, 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 the letters almost, before 1 Thessalonians. And it says this, 
This is chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. This is actually when, one of these sermons where I thought to myself, I should just read those verses and just say, you know what? I'm going to sit down for the next 20 minutes. We're going to think about that because it's, it's very clear. So I thought to myself, is this true? Is this, is this true of me? Is this true of you? Now, this is the place where if you're an outsider, if you're outside the faith, you can think to yourself, oh, you insiders are in some trouble. Because <laughs> he's talking to you about me. You're right. I thought to yourself, I think to yourself, think about, think about your social media page your interaction online. And when you think about how you interact online, let me read that again. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What about at work? I want you to think about yourself at work now. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What about in your neighborhood? With your neighbors? Think about them. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. What about within your own family? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Is this true of you? I'll tell you right now, like just being honest, when I, when I go onto Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, I do not come away with the, with the sense of like, we are doing this well as Christians. Right? I just scroll, I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh no. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. Colossians 4, 5 and 6. I just, I just don't think that we're, we're doing this well. And, and, and by the way, this is nothing new. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, those are new. Social media is new. This is not new. I mean, Paul is writing this. He, Paul is writing this to the church, right? In Colossae. And he's, he's saying this because it's an issue they're dealing with. I mean, he's not writing this to say, hey, you guys, this next part, don't worry about it because the church in 2,000 years is going to need to hear this. So that's for them. He's like, no, he's writing this for them. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. And so I love this. This idea of walk in wisdom. 
there is a way to foolishly walk toward outsiders. And sometimes it seems like we, we have that on lockdown. We know that one. But even when you hear the term walk in Christianity, it's actually a term that we would use, that we see in the scriptures. It's a term that we would use as, as a way of indicating the living out of your faith. So someone may even say, like, how's your, how's your walk going? How's your, how's your Christian walk going? And if you're not familiar with the vernacular, you're like, ah, good. Like, my, my, my leg hurts a little bit. Like, you know, what we're talking about is how do you walk out your faith? That faith is not just to be an internal thing. Actually, faith is an internal thing that has external implications. You walk out your faith. It's the same way of saying, like, you've got to live that out. You want to believe it. And actually, you don't really believe it until you live it out. And so it's interesting that he says here, he goes, I want you to walk. I want you to walk this out. And I want you to walk this out. And I think here's the first thing we see towards. In other words, how do we walk in wisdom towards outsiders? I think the first thing we do is we walk towards outsiders. It's proactive. There is this proactiveness in the faith. It's interesting because he doesn't just say, so when insiders, so when outsiders come to you, when they knock on your door, like open the door. That's not what he's going to say. He's like, when they come to you, he goes, I want you to walk towards them. There is this proactiveness in the Christian faith that we seem to be missing. I'm like, well, if they, if they come to me, then I will, I will do this. But that's not what he's even saying. He goes, I want, you to, I want you to walk towards them. And remember, this is a small community. You know how easy it would have been for them just to be separatists? Like, hey, guys, are you in faith? Yeah, like, let's huddle up. Let's keep this out. Like, let's keep tight. Let's keep the circle tight. Because it's crazy out there. Don't go out there walking towards them. But the problem is, is that Paul's like, I want you to walk towards them, not away from them. It's interesting because uh, when Constantine became emperor, he, he made Christianity first an accepted religion, and then he had it become the official religion of the Roman Empire. And in doing that, half of Christianity, roughly speaking, said this is the worst thing that could ever happen to Christianity, and the other half said this is the best thing that could ever happen to Christianity. And both were probably right. Of those who said it was the worst, do you know what was birthed out of that? Was the monastic movement, monks. And so they, they thought like, oh, well, we can't, like the city's going to change. And so now we're going to go out into the wilderness and we're going to pursue God out there. And we're going to be, become monks. And these monks were like quite popular. And then people would go out in search of the monks. And so the monks would go out searching for God and just wanted like spend time with God in prayer and reading his word in silence or whatever it would be. And then people would follow the monks out there. And then when they would show up, some of the monks would go out even further. Like I'm just, I'm, I can't keep on trying to distance myself. But what happens with a lot of our early church fathers were actually were monks. And what happened with them, sort of this common theme is they go out into the wilderness, they go further out, they go further out. And they realize they spent enough time with God. They spent enough time in prayer. They spent enough time in this word. And they realize, oh, I, I can't do this by continually to walk away and further away and just to separate and separate and separate. Because they read the word enough and they realize this is, this is, this, God has called me to engage. Christianity is a movement toward those who are outside the faith. 
And we forget that. You, you know, a lot of times Christians are so freaked out that somebody that's outside the faith is going to come to them and ask them questions. It's like, oh no, freak out. But actually, to freak you out even more, Paul says, I want you to walk toward them. Walk toward the outsider. And I think part of, part of even what's going on right now is there's such a fear of those, by those that are inside the faith of those that are outside the faith. But the problem is, is that Paul has called us to engage them. If you're here and outside of this morning, Paul has called those that are inside the faith to engage you in a good and healthy ways. The, the further things separate out, Every now and then, jokingly, typically it's jokingly, people will say, I want to get out of California. Get out of California. And I think to myself, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of reasons to get out of California. High taxes, that's one of them, you know, maybe. Um, You know, uh, house prices, job market, um, God calls, or, you know, the job somewhere else, or family. There's actually, I would say, there's lots of reasons that we're like, oh yeah, that makes, that makes sense. I'll tell you what doesn't make sense is to, to move somewhere where there are less outsiders. Because actually then we are, we, are, we are literally moving away the one thing that God has called us to walk towards. I talk with my other pastor friends. Sometimes they're frustrated about doing ministry in California. They go, oh, I love ministry in California. They go, really? Like, that's crazy. I'm like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have so many opportunities to talk about and to do what Paul's talking about here is to walk toward the outsider. And we, we forget this. And, and here's the thing. We shouldn't be surprised by it, right? What, is, what does our faith teach us? Remember last week I talked about how at some point if you are inside the faith, you are an outsider. That's what Paul said. Paul says, all of you used to be outsiders. You all used to be outsiders. And you're only insiders now because of the blood of Jesus. And so this shouldn't surprise us because one of the unique things about Christianity is we are not a religion. We are not a religion where we work our way up to God. But it's a religion where God has worked his way down to us. You see what Jesus did? Jesus literally walked toward you, the outsider. This is what it says. It says when, when Jesus is talking in John 3.13, he says, No one ascends to heaven. But I'll tell you what's happened. Heaven has come down. When he talks later on about being the bread of life, he goes, the bread of life has come down. He has come down. He has stepped down out of heaven. And so the whole thing is that Jesus has stepped down out of heaven toward the outsider. And so we should not be surprised that when he stepped towards you, towards the outsider, then you became an insider. It should not surprise you then that Jesus says, now go step toward other outsiders. It's actually how the faith began. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? You follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for men, fish for people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you how to walk towards outsiders. Now, if you're introverted, <laughs> some of you are, and you're here, you're like, oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. 
and your anxiety is already rising up in you. You're like, no, 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 no. This is for other people to do. Uh, people that are better at this than me. Hear me on this. He, he doesn't actually, well, he, he's not in this place saying, I want you to walk towards, like, are you going to say I got to go to the grocery store and just strike up conversation? Like, hey, so how about Jesus? You know, that, like, that's not what he's actually even saying here, right? He's actually not even saying that you need to necessarily walk towards strangers and strike up conversations. Now, some of you guys do that and you're good at that. What he's saying is walk towards those that are outside the faith. Let me ask you this. Do you already know people in your life that are outside the faith? Yeah. Good relationships with them? Some, yeah, maybe. So it's actually not even about striking up a conversation with a stranger, but actually walking toward the outside. And so my question to you is, is, do you do this? Do you, do you walk towards, my, my guess is you already know them. Are you the one initiating with them? Hey, how about we go out, grab a bite to eat, maybe just get a coffee, I want to see how life's going for you. Are you just like, well, if they come to me, then I'll, I'll got the answers. But that's not what Paul says. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. It's proactive. The second thing, so that's, by the way, that was just towards. That was just towards outsiders. Making the best use of the time. So not only is it proactive, but it's strategic. Some of the some of your translations may say buy back the time or redeem the time because it's the same word that we get. And so this idea of, are, are, are you using the time well? I mean, so many Christians, I think that it's, it's like there's this general sense, like, I just want to move to like, I don't know, like Texas. I want to move to Texas I don't, but, and, and just sit there and wait for the return of Jesus. And I go, that's not what Paul says. Paul says, I want, I mean, you, you guys, you could do that. But Paul says, I want you to walk towards outsiders, making the best use of your time. Position it well, be strategic. Not only is you have the opportunity, lots of opportunities, but God has entrusted with you certain relationships in your life. And I'll tell you what happens. We don't, we, we wait. And even if they come towards us, if they come towards us, we don't even use it for the best use of it, like the time. I've got a long list times when I feel like God was asking me to speak and make the best use of my time and I did nothing. A lot longer list than I would like. And Paul says, you want to talk with outsiders. I want you to walk towards them. I want you to be proactive. And I want you here. I want you to be strategic. I mean, Jesus actually, God, he's entrusted you with relationships co-workers and neighbors and friends that are outside the faith and you know it. And maybe you're even praying to yourself, man, I really hope God calls somebody to walk towards them and to make the best use of their time with them. And like God's like, that's you. You're why I put you there. You're the one that's not walking towards them. You're the one that is not making the best use of their time, of your time. God has entrusted with you people and he's entrusted you with you time. And what Paul is saying is, I want you to walk towards those who are outside the faith and use your time strategically. 
One of the things we see with Jesus, when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus making the best use of his time. He doesn't just say, the reason why he came was to die on the cross, by the way. But he didn't say, you know what? Uh, here I am, three years, meet me in Jerusalem, went down the cross there, right? What does he do for three years, his ministry, making the best use of his time, best use of his time? Pointing people, helping them, healing them. Pointing them to, to, to God and, to, and to, to salvation and to himself. And so Paul says, I want you to walk toward them. I want you to be proactive. I want you to make the best use of your time. I want you to be strategic. And then he says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. I love how verse 5 starts, walk, and then verse 6 starts, your words. There's two things within the Christian faith, the way in which we, we walk and the way in which we speak. And actually, there's a great critique by non-Christians about Christians that say, you know, the things they talk about, that does not match the way in which they walk. Their words do not match their actions. And here, I love what, what, what Paul is saying. He starts with walk in wisdom, right? Walk in wisdom, verse 5, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Let the two of them go together. Let your speech most of the time, be gracious. He said my speech. He said nothing about my posts, right? <laughs> nothing about my tweets. He didn't say anything about, let your tweets be gracious. So I guess those can be offensive and non-gracious and ungracious. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Some things I wrote down. So some of this you'll see in Philippians 2 if you read it, if you want to read it. But uh, not considering just your own viewpoints. Not becoming angry or agitated with people who have differing viewpoints than you. You want your speech to be gracious. You're not just wa- waiting for the other person to stop so that you can start speaking again. That's not gracious speech. Actually, I think that all gracious speech starts with listening. But I thought that this week, I thought we can't speak graciously until we listen intently. And all we're doing is waiting for our opportunity to jump in the conversation. And I go, truth be told, most of the time when that happens, gracious words are not flowing out. Vindictive destructive, separating words start to flow. And it would be enough if he said, I want you to walk towards, I want you to be proactive, I want you to, I want you to be proactive, I want you to be strategic. And then he says, but I want your words to be helpful. This is the whole part, like seasoned with salt. Clarification, he does not say that your words be salty. You've got some of that on lockdown. Oh, yeah, that's good. My, my words are already salty. I'm already salty. That's not, no, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. This idea that salt, that it's, that it's helpful. That it's actually 
adding to the season, I, I, I thought about, you know, because there, there's this opportunity where your words could be gracious, but not, not salt. I thought about maybe a, a story with, where, where you, were, you were talking with somebody and they were engaging in it, which you know to be a destructive lifestyle or destruct, making destructive choices. And I've heard this all the time, making destructive choices. And you go, I'm like, so what did you say to them? I'm like, well, I just told them, hey, I want you to be happy. I'm like, do you think that what they're doing is going to make them happy? Oh, no, no, not, not in a million years. So why didn't you say something about it? Well, you know, I just want them to be happy. I'm like, your words are gracious, but they are not salt. They're not helpful. If you think actually as a friend, or as a brother, or as a sister, as a child, as a parent, if you see them walking down a destructive path, it's actually you want your words to be gracious, but not just gracious, salt, helpful. I think about this idea of like truth and love, right? Truth, salt, love, grace. You're like, well, I want to speak the truth and love. And the way I understand that is I understand that to be the, speaking the truth in the way it's most likely to be heard, understood, received, and applied. Now you may, I want you to hear it. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Now you may understand what I'm saying and you go, yeah, I'm not, get that out of here. You may reject it, but actually I, I I want to put it in such a way in which you're going to receive it. But more than just receive it, I want you to actually apply it. Now, you may receive it and go, I understand, I receive that, and then you just go out and do whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's a possibility too. But I want to speak, I want to, put, I want to put this, whatever I have to say, even think about preaching difficult sermons, even this morning, I want to put this in a way in which it's most likely to be heard, understood, received, and applied. May your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. See, it doesn't just mean that, that you just, all you ever do is like, hey, so whatever, whatever, whatever. But actually we are speaking, we're speaking words, good words. So he goes on. It's proactive. It's strategic. Right? We see here it's helpful. And the last thing that we see is that it's personal. so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Why would I do this? So that at the end, so that, that's the purpose, right? This is why you would do this, so that you understand how to, to, to respond to each person. I love this passage because at the end, it ends with something very, very personal. I think what we want to do is we, we want to speak maybe graciously or so, but, but, but we want this, this shotgun approach. I think what, what Christianity wants is this shotgun approach towards those that are outside that we could just, you know, we'll just like, we'll insert their name, we'll insert their name, the outsider's name, uh, the struggle that they're going through, like a, like a mad lib, like, okay, give me a struggle, okay, all right, uh, pornography, all right, so Sam struggles with uh, pornography and, and this and that, and you go, we, that's what we want. And then we wonder why it comes off impersonal and cold. And what I love here is he says, I want you to do this. Walk toward them, making the most of the time. That your words be gracious with seasoned with salt, 
so that you will know how to respond. You'll know how you ought to answer each person. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would gather very quickly about Jesus. One of the things you'd gather really quickly about Jesus is that he's always interacting with people differently. Have you ever noticed that? He doesn't really interact with the same person like the same way. He actually talks like, what, like, what do you want? What do you need? What's, your, what, what, like, what's going on? He doesn't just come into a room like this and go, all right, everybody can walk now. It's like, wait, well, I could walk before. Like, I don't care. You can, well, you can walk now, so you're welcome. You know, but those, I mean, he, he, he actually is meeting with people. He's hearing their story. With the woman that's caught in adultery, he says, go and sin no more. But when Peter says, Jesus, I don't think you need to, I think you need to stop this conversation about suffering. Do you know what he says? Satan, get behind me. Whoa. Whoa. Do you notice that when the woman who's caught in adultery is brought out, he doesn't say, you know, basically he doesn't say to her, Satan, to get it behind me. He says, go, like very gentle, go and sin no more. But when, when Peter needs to be corrected, he goes, Satan, get behind me, man. Whoa. Is deeply personal. And I think so often with Christians, when we think about non-Christians, it's like there's, there's a problem to be solved. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but I think there are more people to be loved first. And, and, and when, you, when you engage, if you're an insider and you engage with the outsider, it's deeply, deeply personal. I mean, some people, when I'm talking, I mean, I got outsider, I got lots of outsider friends, and sometimes, well, we'll just be talking. I'll be like, you know, they'll, they'll tell me a story, and like, what do you think? I'm like, well, I think that was a really dumb decision. Like, yeah, no, I know, I know. And I can just shoot really straight. But I got other friends that if I say that exact same word to them, they would just destroy them. And so I'm going to come a different way. I'm like, well, you know, uh, that probably there's a great chance possibility that that was slightly not the best thing you could have done. And they're already like, oh no, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, here we are. And what is that? That's going back to speaking the truth in love. Like you're deeply personal and I I understand how you're going to receive this. And Paul says, you want to engage with the outsider. You have a responsibility to them insider those inside the faith you have a responsibility to those that are outside the faith you have to be proactive engaging with them talking with them making the most of your time you're supposed to be strategic helpful and deeply personal as I was preparing for this I thought Wisdom comes, we walk in wisdom when we do it this way, when it's proactive, strategic, beneficial, and personal. But so often our engagement with the outsiders is often reactive, haphazard, detrimental, and impersonal and cold. And then we wonder why it's not working. We go, because we're not actually living out what Paul said to live out. 
And so my prayer, even this, this week, is that you, you, you would, if you're, if you're inside the faith, that you do not, do not write these verses off for the evangelist. Oh, that's, that's for people that are good at evangelism. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you're inside the faith, you have a responsibility to those outside the faith. By the way, this is one of the reasons why Christianity is, is, is to remain from being a clique. Because those that are inside are always trying to engage those that are outside. Have you ever noticed that a clique, that the outsiders, it's like on them to work their way in. It's on, their, it's on them to like figure out a way to get in. And one of the beautiful things that Paul does and the scriptures do is they say, if you're, if you're on the end, it's your responsibility. It's on you to engage them. And by the way, this is the lens in which Jesus looked at us through, yeah? Deeply personal, strategic, made the most of his time. It was helpful. And so my, my prayer for you is that you would man, even ask God, there's people that are in your life right now that are outside the faith, that are inside this room outside the faith. And just say, God, help me, teach me. I want to learn. How do I walk towards them? How do I initiate? How do I be strategic? How do I be helpful? How do I be deeply personal? And I'll tell you this, having talked with many of outsiders, is that when I approach them, in this way, rarely are they offended. They may think differently than me. They may, they may go out and say, Josh, I, I get that you say that. I knew that you had to give me the, the, the Jesus thing first. And so after you give me the Jesus thing, what else you got? Oh, that's, that's all I got. And uh, you know, so, uh, but rarely are they like, how dare you? Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge. We thank you that you walk toward us, the outsider. That you also were, were, made the best use of your time you were helpful, you were deeply personal, and we've experienced that. Those that are inside the faith have experienced that. May it not stop with us. May you use us in this room. May you use us in this room, in our jobs, in, in, our, in our families, in our homes, online, in our neighborhoods. May we walk toward the outsider making the best use of the time. Teach us how I, our speech, may our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that we may know how to answer a world that rejects you. We love you. We pray for these things in your name. Amen.